Very good. Discipleship is actually a serious subject, so I'm glad we're laughing, you know. But uh, what is discipleship? Well, that's already been defined. I'm going to move on. Why should we have discipleship or teach the Bible? What is commanded? Matthew 28, 20 says this. You can go there if you want. It says, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Jesus commands it. It's to teach others, teach the Bible. Those who are taught need to go and teach others. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Again, it's teaching others also. Faithful men, you know, learning from elders or mature Christians and going out and teaching others also. So it's a commandment, okay? Secondly, what are the benefits of discipleship? Discipleship builds confidence to be able to teach others. Okay? Um, now, you know, you might know somebody who's a hospital porter and he might want to be a doctor and you say, okay, I can go out and be a doctor now. But, he, you know, he just won't have the confidence to do that, even though he could, you know, go learn it himself and he could actually be more proficient. But unless he goes to, and does a course and then he says, okay, now I have a course. I'm qualified. I can be a doctor. And then he can actually go and be a doctor. He'll have the confidence to do it. Same way, you know, somebody might want to be an engineer. Well, he can go off and study books and learn about bridges and building and all sorts of things. And, you know, he might be quite good. But until he does the course, and then he says, now I've gone through the whole lot, I see now what I'm supposed to do, he has his confidence to do it. He's, he's trained, you see. So uh, the same way a Christian might be born again. A Christian starts being born again, like a babe in Christ. But unless he goes through a course... And he knows what's actually in the Bible from begin to end. Because most people start off and they're not confident and they're, they're, they're thinking, oh, I don't really know if I know the whole lot. Should I teach others, you know? <clears throat> I need to, I, I, I really don't know if I'm missing something. Maybe I'm going to teach this wrong, you know? But when they go through a discipleship course, you get the confidence. You see, oh, the whole Bible is taught to you. And then you see beginning to end and say, yeah, now I feel qualified. I feel I'm trained. I can go out and teach others and talk to others. And that's that's what's lacking in Christian churches today. Uh, things are dying, you know, this world is dying, you know. I don't know about you guys, but I'm tired of seeing these guys that tattoos, they started on the hand, but now they're going up the body and up the neck and all over, you know, with the earrings and the things. You know, evil is just prevailing, it's taking over, because Christians are not strong, you know, and they're not teaching, and the church is dying. Um, right. Pastor mentioned this morning, like God said to the church of Sardis, we didn't give another church to Laodicea, but to the church of Sardis, he says uh, in Revelation 3 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Oh, yeah. This, this world is dying, mm-hmm. and the church is dying, mm-hmm. and the teaching of the Bible is dying, and Christians are weak. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, evil is taken over, yeah. and unless righteous men stand up, and preach, and counteract the TV, the radio, and all the brainwashing, yeah. and the blinding of Satan's workers through music, yeah, through, through films, through every TV show. So he's pounding out this blinding um, brainwashing to people so they believe not, and so evil increases. So discipleship counteracts that, and Christians who are strong counteracts that. Discipleship strengthens the Christian. 
Okay? Now, you've all watched these TV programs and about nature programs in Africa, and you see the lion, how he's going out hunting. And who does the lion go for? He goes for the weakling. That's right. The one that's not, you know, the small giraffe, the small zebra, the small bison. And he, he sees the weak one. Oh, the one away from the pack, you know? Yeah. On his own. And so the, the, the lion, you know, and like the devil we know is like a roaring lion, right? Yeah. So he goes for the one who's weak. And he will attack the weak one. Now, Christians, if they're weak, if they're just babes in Christ, just born again, but not trained, um, they are weak. And they're subject to be, you know, uh, attacked by the devil. And uh, you put me off now with this time. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a giraffe up there. Do you ever see a lion take a giraffe? A big giraffe would just kick him up. You know? uh, a mature Christian can fight off the devil. He's aware of some things, okay? So a, a big bison, you can see that uh, a lion will go for the baby, the, the mother will come along and kick off, kick him up. And you see, a Christian needs to be like that, you know? We need to be mature in Christ. And the Bible says, like, be full of age, yeah? Uh, Hebrews 5.14, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And a mature Christian, he senses good and evil, he knows things. And he's strong, and he can counteract, you know, he's effective in the world and pushing away back evil and bringing in righteousness and my time is up. Thank you. Before I start, I'm just going to pray. Father, I just thank you for this day. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your guidance and your strength. And I thank you, Lord, that we have this ability to learn and to grow, oh God. But help me, oh Father, let your Holy Spirit come down upon me for me to teach and to preach a message that I can't do by myself except you lead me, Father God. So help me, oh Lord. Let me do what you desire me to do. And let these people be stern, be changed, oh Lord, and let something be lit in these people. Let a fire be lit in these people's hearts for them to want to learn and to seek discipleship, Father. I cry to you, Heavenly God, and I ask you this, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So kind of the title of the message I called it is The Necessity of Discipleship. As an introduction, discipleship helps you to grow in the Word, helps you to, re to realize why the world needs Christ, and also it is used to teach others about Christ, what you know, and what you know, so you can use your knowledge to teach others. So what is discipleship? Discipleship means to willingly partner up with another Christian so that they can obey Jesus and grow in a relationship with him and do the same for others. You see, Jesus did the same thing for his disciples. He took them under his wing and taught them. You see, all of those guys, before they were preaching and talking to people, they were fishermen, you know, just ordinary guys. Until then, Christ took them under his wing and taught them. And when he started teaching them, they started to become disciples. They were learning. They got to kind of start to get hungry, started teaching people, maybe cast a couple of devils out here. But they didn't know anything unless they were taught. And so that when, we, so that when he left, they could do the same for others. So then we used to hear about, let's say, Paul. Paul is then taught, he knows, he's able to tell others, go with Silas, and so on and so on. You see, if brother, that teaches me something about, maybe about a car. When I have a son, I can teach my son about a car. That's how it works. And you keep passing on the knowledge. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, my first point, a good disciple equals a great apostle. 
If you turn your Bible, 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15, and it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, all of us have to study God's word. And see, it's something that it's not like, well, I hope you studied the Word of God. I hope you continue to study. It's, like, it's something that's present, something that we have to do continuously, continuously studying the Word of God. And that's how we learn. That's how we grow. You see, Paul, Peter, Silas, and so on, before they became who they were as apostles, they had to learn and study. They didn't just wake up one day and then they knew everything. When you're born, you don't know anything. You're just a child. You cry. You cry for food. You cry for milk. You cry for everything. You don't know anything until as you get older and older, you, get, you keep being taught different things. I didn't know how to say mom until my mom taught me how to say mom. I didn't know how to say food or anything like that until I was taught. And see, that's what you have to understand. You don't know anything unless you are taught. And see, like I said already, is that they were simple fishermen. But the thing is that the great thing about being how simple they were is that they grasped Christ with everything that they were. They wanted Christ. They wanted to learn from Christ. They wanted to everything about Christ. That's what we should have. We should have that burning desire for Christ. Because if you don't, what's the point? What's the point of serving God? You should have that desire to want to learn, to go under someone. Because I don't know everything. I really don't. I stand here and I preach, and I don't know what I'm doing. But it's only because of God. Amen. I don't know anything. But it's because of God. And the thing is that discipleship is so important for our walk with God. Because as we study and grow, we can then tell others about Christ. In your Bibles, can you turn to Titus chapter 2, verse 2 and 3? Just a little bit to the right. Titus chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. And this is for people, this is for the older people. It says, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. The aged woman, likewise, that they be in, in behavior, has become with holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. You see, all of you who have done the discipleship course or who know things, who have studied the word of God, you should, I should run to you and you should teach me. Because that's what the Bible commands you to do, to teach me, who I do is ignorant, that doesn't know anything, for you to teach me so that I can know. Because I should want that, and I don't know. And it should be in your desire as well, as Brother Dan, as Brother Andrew, as Pastor, to want to find someone and to tell them and take them under their wing Amen. and say, you know what, you need to know the gospel. You need to study the word of God. Because, I mean, I remember I said to Pastor a couple of months ago, I said, oh, Pastor, I want to go to Canada and, you know, help uh, help the camp there. He said, no. <laughs> I was like, well, why? Why can't I do it? He said, you have to learn. You have to study. you got to know things before you go over there. Because if you go over there, you'll go there and not know what to do. And I'm glad he did, because I don't know anything. And I, and I really don't. And it's as a result of that, that God has to lead us that way. But the thing is, uh, to fulfill... Oh. <laughs> but the thing is that we're just fulfilling the call that God has called us, God has called for us, is that we go to preach the gospel. The Bible says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can, God, that's what you need to do. You go to discipleship, you learn from somebody... Then you go out into the world and you tell them about Christ from what you know. Because I learned from Pastor, I learned from Brother Dan, I learned from Andrew, I learned from John, I learned from so many different people. So when I go to people and tell them about Christ, it's because of what I know. But you see, the point is, as my conclusion is, seek after discipleship. Seek after, really desire discipleship because it's something that would help us grow. Find someone to learn under, whether it's Pastor, whether it's Pastor Brother Dan, whether it's for you women to learn under, Kathy, whoever, it doesn't matter. But for you to learn and to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Kathy's ways. And most importantly, most importantly, for us as Christians, when we know the Word of God, when we study the Word of God, when we know God and we seek the face of God, we can turn this world upside down. 
Good evening, everyone. Um, my message tonight comes from First Peter two two. If you want to turn there in your Bibles. And it says, it's a very familiar verse to most people, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So I just have four uh, points from this verse. Uh, point number one, an example. It says, as newborn babes. So we are, we are to desire the word of God in the same way that newborn babies uh, desire milk. So how would you describe a newborn baby's desire for milk? It's not a mild desire. It's not a passing desire. It's a very passionate uh, desire that would make them scream and cry and long for the milk. And if a baby didn't desire milk, we'd know that there was something wrong. So when I was uh, regenerated by God and enlightened by the Holy Spirit back when I was a teenager, uh, I longed for the Word of God. You know, there was something strange about you know a 17-year-old lad that grew up, uh, you know, a nominal Catholic in Ireland, and he longed for the Word of God. You know, yeah. it wasn't something that was shared by the people around me. You know, something different happened in me that day, and it was just like. Uh, you know, just like a newborn baby desires milk, it was just like I desired uh, the Word of God. So, if you don't desire the Word of God, then, you know, there's something seriously, strangely wrong, you know, if you're a child of God and you don't desire the Word of God. So, and it's still the same, you know, when I bring up the Bible at work, uh, you know, people just don't want to talk about the Bible. I say, you know, Isaiah 65, 22 says this, you know, they're just like, what about soccer or something, you know what I mean? So, so, so that's, that's uh, it's just, it should be completely natural for a child of God to desire the Word of God. Uh, Job 23.12 says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So that's so. if you don't long after studying the Bible, discussing the Bible, hearing the Bible, reading the Bible, memorizing the Bible, then you might have let other carnal desires get in the way um, that you need to get rid of out of your life in order for that natural desire for the word of God to come true. So secondly, we're given a description. It says the sincere milk of the word. So the word of God is referred to as the sincere milk. Uh, meaning that the Bible is true, honest, for our good, nourishing, like milk is to a child. So learning the sincere milk will bring us health, growth, and prosperity in spiritual things, as to, opposed to other forms of insincere milk. Um, so it's just, it's just like, what would, you, what would happen if you gave a newborn baby giraffe milk or kangaroo milk? You know, It wouldn't be good for them. You know? It would probably make them sick. So in the same way, Christians must rely on the sincere instructions of the Bible to build their foundations in right doctrine and right living, as to as opposed to receiving the insincere instruction from TV or ungodly advisors, mm-hmm. or even the thoughts of our own wicked hearts, which, which can draw us astray. Um, Proverbs 19.27 says, cease, cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes mm-hmm. to err from the words of knowledge. So a specific, we're also given point three, the sincere milk of the word. So the Bible specifically points us to the milk of the word as being instrumental in our growth. This is as opposed mm-hmm. to the meat. So Christian growth and learning must be founded upon the easily digestible truths of the Word of God uh, and the person of Christ, uh, the milk of the Word. So unless we as believers focus on building our foundations on things like the Bible being the final authority, creation, uh, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, salvation by grace through faith and stuff like that, uh, then we're wasting our time studying all these you know, uh, intricate doctrines like the Levitical priesthood or dispensationalism or ecclesiology, such and such. 
So uh, the most important thing to regret is not whether or not the two witnesses in Revelation is Enoch and Moses, or is it Elijah and Moses. It's whether Jesus really died for all your sins and whether you believe upon him. So as the book of Hebrews puts it, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, as Oh, sorry. Cut off. Oh, yeah. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is good For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. So four, point four, we're given a purpose, that you may grow thereby. So the last thing we see from the verse is that there is a purpose to all our Bible learning, Bible study. Bible learning is not just an extra ritual uh, we have to do along with you know, combing our hair every morning. Okay, So, so when, a, when a man begets a child, he doesn't want to see him stay as a baby. He wants to see the child that he's begotten grow, live, accomplish things, and make his father look good. So that's what, <laughs> that's what God wants for us. So all the Bible learning, preaching, teaching, memorizing, study, discussing has a purpose that we may grow thereby. So, so learn with a purpose, you know, study with a purpose in mind, apply the truth to the scriptures, uh, and that's how to live, uh, live out the, the truth of the Bible. Uh, that will grow and prosper in spiritual things. So that's my message. I just have one point. I'm in the book of Ezra. And uh, recently there, reading there, I was um, just taken back with um, <clears throat> something that I read in Ezra, but just as a build-up to it. Um, the children of Israel were taken captive um, this is the Babylonian capt- captivity they were taken captive and um, I'll just read out there from 2 Chronicles 36.15 it says and the Lord God of their fathers sent them, sent to them by his messengers riding up betimes and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place but they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord rose against the people there was no remedy. Therefore he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion upon the young men or maiden, old man, or him that stooped for age, and he gave them all into his hand. So all these people were taken into captivity, and they were, they were taken to Babylon. And they were there, I think, about 70 odd years. And while they were there, um, <clears throat> God still had, you know, he still had mercy on them. Um, he, he gave them a way out because he had already prophesied through, I think it was Jeremiah, that he would take them out. So he gave them a way out. He stirred up the heart of the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, and he made a proclamation and he put it into writing uh, that they, they could go back to their own land. And he issued an invitation through, through, um, um, through all and sundry that anyone that wanted to go back could go back. The invitation was open to everybody that was in captivity. But of all the people who were taken captive, only a small remnant had the heart to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild Jerusalem. I think only something like 40-odd thousand or 50,000 went back. But when they did go back, you know, God had set up everything for them. He had given them the means. He had given them the money to uh, do what they had to do. Everything that they needed was given to them um, by the providence of God, through Cyrus. And they went back. And the first thing they did was to set up the altar, and then they offered sacrifices. Um, they laid the temple foundations and they had a lot of adversaries to deal with that would take an awful long time to talk with but you know anytime you try to do something for God somebody's going to go against you um, their work was suspended in the second year of Darius the king uh, but it was resumed again and the temple was finished on the sixth year of Darius and then the Passover was set 
And 14 years after they started, Ezra had an expedition. In, um, he, he went up to Jerusalem in Ezra chapter 7. And I just want to read it, uh, Ezra chapter 7, verse 6. Then Ezra went up from Babylon, and he, was a, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand, uh, according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. So he was familiar with the Bible. He wanted to teach the Bible. He wanted to follow what, you know, he was familiar with the, the law of Moses, and he lived it, and he wanted to teach it. Um, in verse 10, then I think it is, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. So he went up to guide him in, in, in the way that that was right. But when he got there, he hears this report in Ezra 9, verses 1 to 4. Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed had mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers had been cheap in this trespasses. So, you know, you had low standards and high places there as well. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down a stony. He sat down a stony. That was the verse, that, that was the word that kind of caught me when I was reading it. Then were assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of God of Israel because of the transgressions of those that had been carried away and I sat a stony unto the evening sacrifice. You see, everything had been done for these people. God had provided for them. Everything had been done for them. And they were a people that were kind of separated separated to God, you know, separated to God. They had the heart to serve God. Uh, but at the same time, even though they went up, because they didn't do this one thing, and it's about discipleship, it's about separation. The Bible says that we are to be separate. They got involved with everybody else there. And in a short few years, everything started to fall apart. So I have only 30 seconds or something. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 17, there's a message for us in this. If, if we do not attend, 2 Corinthians 6, 4, 17 talks about being separate. I just have to get that. Be ye not uniquely yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? Or what communion had light with darkness? And what concord had Christ with Belial? Or what part did he that believed in an infidel? And what agreement had he had, had the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God had said. I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So there's a message there, there's an application there for us, you know, that we we are to be separate. We are to be separate from, you know, the soccer, uh, the TV, uh, you know, whatever else that's out there that prevents us from coming to church. We have to be separate. And if, if we don't, we go down the same line as David. It's on. I don't, I don't have a. I don't have a message. I have a testimony. Um, I got saved in uh, June of 1990, 25 years ago. My spiritual birthday just went past a few days ago, and um, 
I'm thankful for the soul winner that stopped at my door and started telling me about Jesus Christ. He was the same guy that took me under his wing and began to disciple me. I not only was going through some rough times before I got saved, but I went through some rough times after I got saved. And uh, John took me under his wing and began to disciple me. And I guess he knew it, but I didn't know at that time what he was doing was throwing anchors out in my life that were going to hold me fast when when the winds came and when the troubles came. Uh, the, learning the Word of God helped strengthen me for the times that were coming ahead. You know, if God ever told you what was going to take place in your life after you got saved, you never got saved. You know, yeah, but but as you grow in the Lord, you know, you're able to handle those things. And I'm so glad for the guy that took me aside. And for a year, he, he discipled me. Same guy that uh, led me to the Lord. And uh, I remember going there very early on Saturday mornings before I would ride off to work. And uh, I would meet with him for about an hour. And after about a year, he uh, I went there one morning and he said, Dan, we're just going to pray. And, uh, you know, he says, uh, we're not going to take any more time. And Because I wanted to go through the book of Hebrews, you know. I wanted to know all about Hebrews. He said that was all the meat. He said, uh, we're going to cut it off now. You're done. It's been a year. And you go and you, you love the Word of God. And you're hungering for the Word of God. And, uh, and he must have known something, too. Because it wasn't soon after that that I transferred to another church. We moved. And, uh, you know, I began to disciple other people. And uh, But John... That time was the most wonderful time in my life spent with that discipler, taking the time to teach me the Word of God. And no matter what question I asked, he answered it. And uh, I just want to tell you that, let me read this for you in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And uh, the one word that jumps out at me in there is learn of me. And that's discipleship. Uh, If you're discipling somebody, you're pointing everything to Jesus Christ. Not to you. You're teaching them about the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Because that's where the anchor is going to be for them. Not in you. Uh, You can be there for somebody, but we have to learn of Jesus Christ. He is the anchor for our souls, you see. So I just want to say three things. You fall in love with Jesus Christ. You find out that he loved you so much that he died on the cross for your sins. And then you fall in love with Him. We love Him because He first loved us. Amen. Then you learn of Him. And you begin to grow in the Lord. And you need that as you're, as you're walking through your Christian life. But then you learn how to trust them. The more you learn, the more you trust. You won't trust somebody that you don't know and you don't love. You won't trust them. The more you love them and the more you learn about them, the more you can trust them and do whatever He requires of them. Amen. Amen. bit of a testimony. I hadn't planned to say anything, but it was Martin provoked a thought in my mind. And when I got saved, um, I just went to church and that was it. And I didn't have a Bible, so I went to the local uh, bookshop. I said, I want a Bible. And they said, well, the most uh, popular one's King James. And there was a whole mess of all shapes and sizes. I looked them through, picked one out, and that was me. When I got saved, I was a truck driver. And the first thing I did uh, as a Christian, I was just like Barry. I was hungry and excited for God's Word couldn't get enough of it, even though half of it I didn't understand. I was just mesmerized. I never knew that before. And just like any book, I went to the start in Genesis, and I started reading through it. Anyway, um, no one took me aside. No one discipled me. I had never heard of anything like that. In fact, I never came across a discipling program until I met this guy over here, Pastor Craig. I never heard of anything like that until I came here. 
Anyway, I wasn't long saved, and I would say um, I'd been doing my discipleship or my uh, devotional early uh, every morning, six o'clock. I'd be up and I'd be studying it. I even bought myself a little book to fill in questions and answers and write down notes at what I'd learned and so on. And I was progress- progressing like that. Now that was fundamental to my growth and my protection because just like Martin said, Satan is like a roaring lion. And not that he just go to seek um, the, those who are weak. He looks for those who are on the periphery or not within the fold. He looks for those who are just newborn Christians. And that's what happened to me. And I'll tell you, and I always think of Ben, he's one of our newborn Christians. And talking with him, he's excited about God's word. You know, but... It was a Friday night, it was about 6 o'clock, maybe 6.30, and I just got home from work, and and I went to the front door, I was living in this place on my own, and there was an older man, who's about my age, eh? <laughs> and he had a younger man with him, and he said, we're Christians, we'd just like to talk to you about the Bible, and about needing uh, God in your life. He said, come in, come in. I was so excited. I brought them in, and they started to talk to me, but... I hadn't been discipled, I was doing devotions, and that was about the limit, and I'd only been saved about, I think, three, four weeks, but I knew something wasn't right with the way he was talking, and he says, we'll leave the watchtower with you, they were Jehovah's Witnesses, JWs, but I didn't know any better, I just thought, something doesn't sound right, that's all I can tell you, it must have been the Holy Spirit saying, these people are wrong. Anyway, away they went. He says he'd come back the following week to have a talk to me. So in the meantime, my best friend, Gary, I went and spoke to him in church, and I told him, he said, he says, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. have nothing to do with them. And he says, I'll give you a tape. Our pastor preached on that about nine months ago. Give me a tape. I put it in my truck, and I was driving along. I was in long distance at the time, and I mustn't have listened to it about four or five times. (laughs) Following Friday night, I opened the door, and there he was, that older guy, and he had an attractive young woman about my age with him. Do you see the deceitfulness of it? Do you see what Satan does? That's what he does, tries to drag you away. I wasn't a disciple, but fundamental to that was I was within the fellowship, forsaking out the assembling of yourselves or go, uh, yourselves together, as the manner of some is, I guess 10.25 in Hebrews. So fellowship is very important. Amen. But you see all us older and mature people, we got to watch the newborn yeah. babes. we got to get them into the center, not around the periphery, and we got to protect them. Yeah. Well, I apologize. If anybody else has got a testimony or whatever, this is what we do. We, we have to cut it off and say, well, we got to go home. <laughs> but... Um, I appreciate that. Very good. Very good. And I, listen, the goal of focusing on just one thing like discipleship or the cross, next one's on heaven, by the way, uh, focusing on that is to just stir our hearts. Isn't that what the Word of God's supposed to do? Because Jesus makes these commands and we become familiar with them and we think somebody else will do it. No. We must all be a part of not only soul winning, but discipling and feeding newborn Christians.